0: Finding common ground for advocates from education, business, and policy to come together to build a brighter future for students and the economy sounds like a tall order, but you'll hear from Scott LeBand how he and his team at Colorado Succeeds through their strong core values and leadership abilities are having an impact doing just that on this episode of Making Our World Better.
1: Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark.
0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark and I'm excited to share a conversation with Scott Laband, president of Colorado Succeeds. Scott's been with the organization since 2010 and is on a mission to unlock opportunity for all young people and make Colorado the best place in America to raise a child and grow a business can't wait to hear more. Prior to Colorado Succeed, Scott worked as the legislative director for Colorado Senator Mike Johnston, where he oversaw the policy agenda and served as the point person for both internal strategy negotiations with other Colorado state legislatures and external relations and coalition building with advocates and interest groups. Wow. Scott began his career in business as an associate at HBS International and went on to a leadership role with the Kidova Restaurant Corporation. He's a founding board member of Rocky Mountain Prep, a charter management organization with three high-performing public schools in Denver and Aurora. Awesome. Scott graduated from the University of Colorado at Boulder with a degree in business administration and earned a master's degree in education, leadership, and organizational change from the University of Denver. Most importantly, Scott and his wife are parents to three children. Scott, thanks so much for being here today. It's a real pleasure, Jay. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Well, start off simple. Tell me how you would describe Colorado to Succeeds to somebody that doesn't know anything about it.
1: You know, the easiest way to think about Colorado Succeeds is actually like a chamber of commerce that only focuses in on education and workforce development. And So we're a group of businesses from around the state. Uh, It's one network. We are exclusively nonprofit and nonpartisan. But we try to bring the business voice together to say, how can we roll up our sleeves and be a partner to educators, to leaders in government, to, uh, you know, leaders across uh, post-secondary education? Just where can we fit in and, and create value for young people today? Because we know it's our future talent pipeline.
0: Well, and I love the prediction on your website that says 85% of the jobs available in 2030 have not even been invented yet. So tell us about your Vision 2030 plan.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite... Um a broad in the sense that, you know what, we've gotten out of the business of trying to predict the future. I think anybody in business That's would agree. true. You know, like between a, a pandemic or a monkeypox or right. a war in, in other parts of the world, there's just too many unknowns. Right. And so instead of trying to predict the future and what's going to happen, what we need are really close feedback loops so that industry is at the table with education leaders um, having dynamic conversations about the changes in real time. And so the big picture is how do we put the student at the center, the learner, and create a system that responds to their unique needs and interests rather than asking that learner to conform to the constraints of the system? And so trying to make it more learner focused rather than institution focused and more connected to the real world so that we can finally answer that age old question for young people today of why am I learning this? And will I ever apply this in my life?
0: Right, right. So, I mean, you've seen national trends, you're looking at that stuff all the time. How important is it for Colorado from a competitive standpoint, you know, to tie all this stuff together, business and education?
1: So we often say that there's a moral imperative to do this work, which is clearly True. how we help make sure that the next generation has the same opportunities that many of us in our generation have? Right. And for those of us who have some degree of power and influence, how can we use that for good to make sure that the next generation is set up well? So that's the moral imperative. Um, the economic imperative, though, is that this is real um, impact on our state's um, GDP, and, and we've run studies that show that if you looked at um, the Colorado and said if every uh, young person today was able to go and get the education that they needed to be relevant in the labor market, right, the economic impact of that would be larger than our state's craft brew industry. It Isn't would be that something? Lightly smaller than our state's wow. uh, ski industry. And so wow. real potential here in terms of what this could mean for unlocking human potential of in individuals, as well as our business climate in our state. And the better we can do that, the more likely we can recruit companies to relocate their headquarters to Colorado. Right. And the more likely we can keep the companies who are here in Colorado, because right now, as you know, it's a war for talent out there and there's other yeah. states who are very aggressively targeting Colorado companies and trying to get them to leave our borders. And that's not going to be a helpful thing for anybody in Colorado.
0: Right. So, I mean, you've got a lot of members uh, in the organization. I mean, is it pretty much a straight line between a strong education system being good for business? I mean, the impact is that's pretty much a straight line,
1: right? It is, you know, that's our tagline is great schools are good business, but we also know that great schools make great communities and right. um, great schools mean that, you know, the employees of companies are able to send their kids right. to, to schools that they have confidence in, that they're going to be successful at. Um, and it means that the talent pipeline is ready and equipped in Colorado to meet the, the demands for growth. And, and you know, I'm sure you've heard we're a state that imports a lot of talent and what right. would it look like to grow our own in a homegrown way as right. a Right. to being reliant on the fact that, you know, we have this beautiful um, uh, mountains and geography and a recreational industry and a lot of things that people come to Colorado to for, but right. it'd be nice to not be reliant on that for uh, filling the talent gaps right. in our state's labor market.
0: Right. So I think I'd love to hear a little bit more about your three pillars, the the policy, the philanthropy, um, and the practice. So so starting with policy, um, you know, in a in an environment that feels more divided all the time. I mean, how do you bring government leaders, state leaders, business leaders all together to advocate for for policy in, in education?
1: You know, first off, it's recognizing that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so ah, that's gotta a great have a line. Seat at the table right yeah. that one down <laughs> business has to be represented at that table. You know, we are the employers of where many of these young people will end up going. And, you know, most people will work at some point in their life. And so it's it's likely that um, we've got an opportunity for them in the in the labor market. Number two, it's about making sure that we bring broad and diverse coalitions of people together. Right. And so um, education, workforce Development to me feels like one of those areas that remains in our public policy debate that can be nonpartisan. You know, as you talked about, there's so much rancor in so many other uh, political discussions these days. I'm not to say uh, suggest that education is immune from that. Certainly, there are some, but we do find lots of area of common ground, and that looks like bringing together a lot of different groups of people to just have that conversation. What are the biggest challenges our states facing? What are the potential solutions to achieving that? And really authentically engaging with. Learners, families, educators, and uh, business leaders at every step of the way around how can we collaborate on that. And Jay, one thing I would just say is, the more localized we get, the better those conversations become. It's true. I think when we try to do all of this at a state level, Sometimes it's hard for people to understand what's in it for them, so right we get down into the nitty gritty of what does this look like in your community in your right. schools, And how can we work together to build extraordinary experiences for young people. That's what gets people really pumped up and excited. And then how do we scale that that's what policies for.
0: Yeah, because it's got to be interesting. Because just like you're saying, one, what's going to be strong in one community, another community is going to have completely different issues.
1: It's all contextually based. And so we don't want to pretend that there's a, um, you know, a right way to do this or something that we can just hit copy and paste. Um, We really want to understand the unique nuances of what matters to that community. And then how do we respond to that? And one of the ways that we've been doing that is um, working with communities, with learners, families, um, educators and business leaders to define a profile of a graduate. And what we mean by that is like, what do we want all high school graduates to know and be able to do when they leave the 12th grade? And what are those professional competencies, entrepreneurial competencies, um, academic competencies, civic competencies that really make for a well-rounded person? And then how do we really articulate those in a way that creates a unifying vision for that whole community to get behind which is awesome because this can this kind of cascades down the whole
0: system as so far as this could be informing academic decisions and pathway decisions and everything else for districts all across the state, right?
1: Exactly. We have a very local control environment in Colorado. And so it necessitates a degree to say the people who are closest to the problem are also closest to the solution. So <laughs> what is it Not that you are seeing and, and how do we help... Um, support you, not tell you what to do, but how do we help support, whether that's as a convener or a facilitator or sharing what we're learning from other parts of the state or other parts of the country uh, to inspire you to think bigger than maybe you have before? Because that's also a big component of this is, you know, people can't be what they can't see. And so sometimes you gotta have to drop in a little bit of inspiration and take them someplace and allow them and say, oh, like that's possible for kids in that part of the state. Well, we don't want our kids to get left behind. How do we build that in our community as well?
0: That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about as far as some of the programs that you guys run um, and, and spearhead for groups to take part in.
1: Yeah. And, and some of it is kind of like where I started to bridge into this conversation of let's take some business practices and business uh, principles. Sure. Like, um, put the student first. You know, business, we believe in putting the customer first in education. Let's put the student first. Right. Let's Talk about how we create opportunities for choice and innovation accountability, transparency, return on investment, and agility. These are all principles that we try to bring to the conversation first and foremost. And to your earlier conversation, that's how we're able to unite people who might have very differing political views is because when they put on this filter of what's best for young people and learners today, it might change how they would otherwise show up to that conversation. So number one, it's getting people at the table ready to have that conversation and being open to um, thinking differently than maybe they have in the past. Um, Then it's really about, you know, how do we help um, business show up and be a good partner to schools. Mm-hmm. Business doesn't have time. They're in the in the world of right. trying to turn a profit. And so right. how can we support them and build capacity so that it's very plug and play? It's a, it's a little bit turnkey where we can say, these are the things that we know work when it comes to engaging with a school district. We want to help coach you on those things so that when you show up, you can have maximum return on investment of your time. And we try to tee up high value, high leverage opportunities that are a very efficient. And low time, and then on the same side on the on the school side, trying to go to them and say, "Okay, you got one crack to talk to business. Let's get all of our things lined (laughs) up." you know, and okay. they start talking in a business language, you know, what are your goals? What are your objectives? What are your key results? How are yeah. you going to measure these things? And then how can they be a key partner to you? And so to some extent, we're a little bit of an intermediary and a gonna say. negotiator translator that try to bring right. two different groups together who otherwise speak different languages and just operate in very different ways.
0: Well, and, and your organization has been around for a while, obviously doing a lot of great stuff. And uh, Tell me is part of the secret sauce is it sounds like what one of your real strengths is meeting people where they're at and understanding where people are so you can say hey, I know where you're at and I can connect you so you know where people are and then you're able to connect them.
1: Exactly. It's a continuum, you know, and, and right. there's no right or wrong place to be on that continuum, but it is understanding where is it their current state and what's their right. future state and how can we be a supportive partner, whether it's around continuous improvement or design thinking, user-based design uh, around communications and marketing, branding, fundraising to get them from their uh, current state to their desired future state. Wow. And it, it all starts with just getting people together. And, and that's what's been amazing to me is, you know, coming out of the pandemic. Um, I think there's a hunger and a desire to do more in person, to be more creative, right. to, 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 to find that togetherness. Right. And so um, I, I'm seeing a ton of momentum across the state right now.
0: Fantastic. And then from a philanthropic standpoint, you guys are not only doing all this connecting and lifting up and, and um, you know, creating programs, but you're actually... Reinvesting back into the into some of the people that you work with.
1: That's exactly right. Um, the business community is here to say we want to ha- bring our expertise and our experience, but also our capital to um, to make it, make an impact. And so what we do is uh, we run a process every year where we try to identify. entrepreneurs within the education space. could be an individual teacher, it could be a parent, a family, a a learner, it could be an administrator. We we leave that definition wide open to someone who has a great idea that we think has the potential to transform the student experience and create value for more young people. And then we'll invest directly in that idea um, with capital and with uh, additional technical assistance and support to help grow it and and get some of these new things off the ground.
0: So cool. So... You've been at this since 2010. Uh, Rome was not built in a day. So talk to me a little bit about how the organization has evolved to this point now where, you know, you're really kind of this juggernaut. I mean, it wasn't like this from day one. Right. You know, I know this is a process. So so tell, talk a little bit about the process that got you where you are today.
1: Yeah, so I I was hired in 2010 as the second employee of Colorado Succeeds and was told we had enough money for three months of salary for me. (laughs) Wow. And and I said, that sounds like fun. Let's do this. And so um, here I am 12 years later, and we've found a way to to grow the mission and and the the impact. Uh, We started out very heavy on public policy and just being that voice for business and trying to bring advocacy to play, you know, sort of change the way that people talk about this issue in the public domain. So that's where we started. But we quickly realized that, you know, where we had previously thought the finish line was, was, you know, the bill signing. It's a lot of fanfare. The governor's out there right putting in the, the bill and, you know, we give away the pens to all the people who worked on it. And, <laughs> you know, you pat yourself on the back, but we quickly realized that that's actually not the finish line. That's the starting point
0: That's the start. Yeah, I was going to say that's step one, right?
1: Yeah. That's where the real work really begins. Yep. Like all of the challenges that it took to get to that point really pale in comparison to how much work has to go into implementation and particularly to do it with fidelity. And so that was the big evolution of the organization was saying, we're going to go beyond just being a policy shop to one that provides technical assistance and implementation supports with partners to those people who are early adopters and want to take advantage of the conditions that have been put in place. Um, so, and that, and that's just where things have started to take off. And um, you start to see um, the the champions for this work in the field are the ones right. who then spread it. And the word of right. God, is contagious and and it starts to kind of snowball from there.
0: Right. It's kind of like that flywheel velocity. So I always preface this not with the, I know it's not a fair question, but do you have any favorite stories of success from your time?
1: You know, um, so I'll just caveat that to say, first off, my role in, in my responsibility in this role is number one to be a developer of, of, of leaders for the community. And right. so I feel like that first and foremost is what my my biggest calling is. And so my favorite stories are the ones of people on our team who have achieved phenomenal personal and professional growth. And even if they've left the organization, they've gone on to, to, to progress in their career journey in other places and they're leading other organizations. And so I, I kind of view that as, you know, a number one, that's my role is to build leaders for the benefit of the community. And, and there's been tremendous success on that. And a lot of good people doing really good work.
0: So um, That's a great mark of leadership.
1: Um, well, I mean, I'm just really fortunate to get to work with incredible people. I mean, my board of directors, they're astounding. I learned powerhouse board. So yep. And, and, and they've really invested in me. And so it's the least I can do to, to, to turn <laughs> around and try to invest in others and pay it forward, so to speak. Um, but one quick story I'll share. And, and this is a favorite of mine. Um, We passed a policy called CDIP, Career Development Incentive Program. We love our acronyms in education. Um, What it does is it basically provides a thousand dollar bonus to a school if they help a young person get an industry certification that's aligned to a growing job in Colorado. Wow. And so business comes to the table every year and says, these are the growing jobs in our state. And then these are the industry certifications that young people could earn and then be relevant in those jobs. So we know that on an annual basis. All right. So then we go into implementation and um, we're working in Salida and the superintendent down there in Salida is just absolutely compelled by this idea and wants to build it and do some exciting things with it. And so he created a program down there where during uh, young people's elective courses, they're building tiny homes on an actual job Uh, site that's situated in property that they own. I saw that. Yeah. So kids are learning you know, uh, they're they're applying all these things that they're learning, whether it be in, you know, algebra or geometry or physics. And what we found is the kids who are on these job sites are now seeing greater attendance in those other classes. Oh, like sure. Geometry and physics because they know that they can't go work on the job site if they don't do well in those classes. Number two, they're actually speaking up in class more because they can talk to their peers about the application of how this matters in the real world. So their grades are going up and um, and then they're, they're ended up graduating with higher marks than they would have prior to the program. But even what's more exciting than that is they're getting these industry certifications in the skilled trades so they can take that with them anywhere they go and they can do work over the summer um, and be employed and it's a signal of readiness for the local construction community. And lastly, what I'll say is what's so excited about this project in Salida is once the young people finish building the house, they take the keys of the house and they hand it over to one of their teachers. Oh it my is, gosh. In Salida, you know, they use this as part of their way to fill and, and right. support affordable housing which is a major right. challenge in that community and so they say for any teacher who wants to come into salida um and we can recruit you during the middle of this this teacher shortage we, get, we got your housing covered for you How about that? that way, your students did it and the pride that they feel in that moment of um being able to share that has been phenomenal and, and not to mention the fact that they're getting to interact with other caring adults that they may not have otherwise seen before so a lot of kids who previously had a dream of being right a plumber, or electrician, or drywaller. Now we're seeing a superintendent and an architect, and they're saying, "Hold on, why do those guys get to go sit in the AC and the yeah, out here sweating? <laughs> I want to go do what those guys do." And they're getting a bigger dream for their life, and and many of them are choosing to uh, go on to post secondary where previously they they didn't have that dream for themselves.
0: So I love that story because that that's a big giant concept that gets drilled all the way down to individual students. So that that really is uh, the dream emotion, but. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are some leadership bedrock, some bedrock leadership principles uh, that you've leaned on in your time at so Calloway's?
1: Yeah, for for us as a team, we've developed our core values, and and for us, it's it's always leaning into those and having those um, to direct anything that we do. And so for us, uh, we call them our clear core values, and so it's it's collaboration. Uh, leadership, it is entrepreneurialism, accountability, and a sense of relentlessness. And so, these are the things that we bring to the work each and every day. And leadership might sound a little um, broad. And so, if I could put a finer point on it, I'm yeah. a, sort of a, a student of um, of Brene Brown, and I've gone through her Dare to Lead program. And um, I really look at leadership as like identifying potential in people, systems, or processes, and having the courage to develop that potential to its fullest possible state. And courage all comes back down to, are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to be authentic? Are you willing to show up with a degree of humility and not pretend that you have all the answers or know everything, but really ask great questions. And um, that has been, I think, a bedrock principle for our organization as we try to get better is, Not thinking about how we come up with the best answers, but how we come up with the best questions so that we can really grapple with things that matter.
0: Well, and I think going back to what you said earlier, that it also takes a little bit of courage to have people work for you that might be smarter, might know more and everything else. But that's being vulnerable enough to say, hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I want you to be really smart on this. Whatever that may be,
1: absolutely. I was actually just talking to my board a couple hours ago about this, and um, my number one job is to hire people who are smarter than me, right? And, and like, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing them the the service that that I need to be doing for the stewardship of this organization. And I fully expect the people around the table to all be smarter than me, which means <laughs> I need to talk less and listen more, right? You know. I... The ratio right. is two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yep. so I need to continue to, to be asking the right questions and pulling their expertise in. Um, and again, that whole concept of they're closer to the problem, they're closer to the solution. So how do we really bring that into play?
0: Awesome. Well, it's it's no uh, surprise to to see how the organization is flourished with all these, these great values. So I'll wrap up. I've got a few left. Uh, the first one to change gears a little bit is what is something you will listen to, read, or watch today?
1: Oh, it's a great question. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, um, uh, it's not in my bag right now, but um, it was yesterday. And um, I'm reading this book around um, uh, the 15 Commitments of Courageous Leadership and just a phenomenal book. Um, and it, it really goes through, I think, so many of the key pieces of where I try to draw my leadership, uh, mentalities and and learnings from. And, um, I hope to finish the book this weekend because I really want to enroll in one of their courses, which kind of takes you on a deeper dive into, um, what that looks like in application. And so, uh, for me, I'll be crushing that book hopefully later this evening.
0: (laughs) Well, salute, because with all the groups that you've got to deal with, you've got to, you've got to take a lot of stuff into account. So who would you say is, has been a role model for you in your career or an inspiration
1: yeah, I would um, I would name a couple of people. First off, is a, a gentleman named Zach Newmeyer. Uh, Zach is the uh, co-founder of Sage Hospitality. Um, he started that when he was I think 23. Um, he's now I don't know 63, and he's the chairman of the board. And um,
0: and what a powerhouse.org is.
1: It, well, exactly. You know, they operate and own hotels all around the world. All They've around been the able world. to weather a pandemic. They're incredibly uh strong when it comes to their community engagement. Yep. He's the founder of Colorado Succeeds and was the one who helped recruit me uh into this organization. Right. And it's just been a mentor for me every step of the way. I always tell someone if there's only one person that I can talk to before any critical meeting, he's the guy I want on speed dial because he's such a big thinker, a strategic thinker, but he also has such a degree of um Humility and uh, just, I think, a, a really understanding, a, a strong understanding of, you know, who what his strengths are and what the strengths are in the people he's talking to and how to try to translate where he sees opportunity and vision into where that other person could potentially maximize that. And so he's just been an amazing coach and, and partner every step of the way. I'm just so grateful to, to learn from him always cool to have
0: people that you aspire to be like um and this is another one that's not fair but outside of colorado succeeds is there an organization out there that you that you really admire the work they're they're doing or want to give a shout out to and knowing that you deal with 100 members that's kind of like a sophie's choice question so i'll i'll give you a pass if you can't answer
1: no it's it's a great question um let me me just think for a second here um You know, in terms of groups that I really admire, there tend to be ones that have extremely strong values and lean into those values. Um, And um, maybe if I were to to mention one, and and this is one that I recently had the opportunity to go and be part of their uh, leadership retreat uh, recently, and it's called Slalom. They're a um, a consulting firm uh, that is global, but they have a major presence in Colorado. And it's just rare to me to see companies of that size have such a strong commitment to the values of the organization and this fundamental belief in, we're here to do well while doing good. And and so they really do believe in community investment and change at a systemic level on issues that really matter to them. And so they've stepped up and have helped support us on the education side in really deep and meaningful ways. Um, And they just, they have a sense of urgency around the work that you don't oftentimes see in uh, in business where it's not just about an urgency to grow and to turn quarterly profits. It's an urgency to drive impact at the system level, the state level, the the, uh, community level. And um, I had a chance to see that in person when I went to the leadership retreat. And and it was just completely inspiring to be around, you know, a thousand of their leaders who are all fully dedicated to this.
0: Well, and think of that because, you know, you see a lot of different organizations, you're exposed to a lot of different things. The ones that are doing really well, especially today coming out of the pandemic and all this other stuff, are those that are really driven by having an impact. They're not driven by, you know, all the other stuff is almost a byproduct, of the business success, but having the impact is really the driver.
1: Yeah, and I, I sense that from them. They all realize we're only here for a limited amount of time. Right. You can take it with you. And so what's the legacy you're going to leave behind? And, and who are those individuals that are hopefully going to be able to find value in your wake or in that sphere of influence that you carry. And so um, it's just a a breath of fresh air to be around those folks, but also all the different companies that we get to work with. As you mentioned earlier, they're just very, very committed to the work and and really passionate about um, about leaving that legacy and, and building something for that next generation.
0: Well, if somebody's going to step up and, and work with you guys, that's they're obviously already, already pretty much there. So my last one will be uh if somebody wants to get involved, learn more, where do they find you?
1: Yeah. So we're online, uh cardasucceeds.org. Um uh, we're also on LinkedIn. We're also on um uh you know, all all social media, Twitter. But please feel free to, to reach out directly to me. I'll, I'll provide my contact information here or uh, Jay, if you want to share it after the fact, but it's just first initial last name, S Laband at coloradosucceeds.org, um, L-A-B-A-N-D. Feel free to drop me a line if, if you want to talk more about how you can get engaged in the work, we'd be more than happy to to think about all the different things that we're doing across the state and how people could, uh, to, could jump into that and, and create real value for a lot of young people out there.
0: Fantastic. I'll put all that in the show notes with the contact info. Scott, keep up the great work. This has really been inspiring. I've got a lot out of it. I know the listeners have too. So thanks a ton.
1: It's been a privilege and thank you. Really, uh, really grateful for the opportunity, Jay. Thanks so much for what you do.
0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you're as excited to learn from Scott's insights as I was. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Cherry and Event Services, where we help build great organizations. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about Colorado Succeeds and how you can get involved, visit their website at coloradosucceeds.org and find them on social media. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.